What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Dream Big, Play Bigger podcast. I'm your host, AJ Richards. And today's episode, I figured I would just visit with you all and share with you where I am at with uh, bringing back a show I created called Rush Club. Um, The reason I want to share this with you is because I created this podcast called Dream Big, Play Bigger to explore the space between the dream and the actions. And part of me knew that I needed to create this podcast for myself. I needed to put myself in a position where in order to to, uh, have the courage to bring back this show called Rush Club, I had to live as a different person than I was living if I wanted that to happen, if I wanted it to be successful. And uh, the reason I say that is because Rush Club exists based off of the guy I will be as I develop myself to be the guy that can do that. (laughs) That's confusing. I get it. But just hang in there with me and maybe you'll get what I'm saying. So let me just back up a little bit. So for those who don't know, I created a sport where I took the sport of functional fitness. People call it CrossFit, um, but that's a functionality. It's a business that trains people how to move. Uh, But when they see my show, they assume it's something like that. So I took that sport, and I had this idea. A friend of mine and I, we were kind of talking about this and collaborating, and it was born in that conversation. But the idea was putting athletes head-to-head, one-on-one. And we did that for about a year. And then I decided that I wanted to take it into weight classes. So we created a head-to-head weight class competition known as Rush Club, where we take athletes who compete in CrossFit-style competitions and... So this is the same type of movements and training. And we put them head-to-head in weight classes. And they compete to earn a title. But also those weight classes are uh, specific. The the workouts are specific to the weight class. So, for example, a lightweight athlete in either men's or women's division, they're going to do a workout that's designed to be more gymnastics focused with some moderate weight. Um, and it'll be highly competitive, and they'll know well in advance what the workout is so they can show up as a, um, a pro in that exact division and ex- exact workout. So we change a lot of things that the community um, isn't, isn't familiar with. We do the same for heavyweights, right? Their workouts, we call them duels. Their duels are more... Um, heavyweight and moderate gymnastics. So we flipped it on its head. Basically, if you're on the Rush Club stage, we've been following you, watching you. We're impressed by who you are as a person and the skills you bring when it comes to competitive fitness. So you've already you've already proven your fitness. You've already uh, you're out there doing that most likely in the circuit somewhere else 
So you already qualify. We're not testing fitness. The CrossFit Games is the test of the fittest man, fittest woman on the planet. We are not that. We are an expression of fitness. We want the athletes to show up on the stage and just put on a show of how freaking amazing they are, but they're going to do it head-to-head to earn a title belt, and then they're going to defend that from oncomers that think they uh, can express their fitness in their division, if you will, better than the person currently holding it. And actually, what it'll come down to is the mindset. Because we, because you know what the workout is, and because you're so well matched, it's going to become, it's going to come down to the six inches between your ears. How much more are you training that than your opponent? If your opponent is three reps ahead of you, can you still stay in your zone and play your game and win? Um, because we did head to head, and it's fitness and it's pound for pound, we were able to start including athletes that are missing limbs. They're in wheelchairs as well, uh, but if they're missing limbs, it's above the elbow, below the elbow, above the knee, below the knee, and then, like I said, wheelchairs. And because we are a head-to-head competition, we can now scour the planet and find a qualifying individual to go head-to-head because I'm only looking for two people. I'm not trying to fill massive heats of athletes. I just need two. For example, um, we flew uh, we flew somebody in from Ecuador to go head to head for an above the elbow title. Uh, he um, had a brachial plexus injury, and so that rendered his uh, basically just rendered his arm paralyzed. And so that was a single arm competitor that we flew in from Ecuador to compete um, for the above the elbow title um and he went yeah he went head to head with logan aldridge our three-time champion so anyway we can bring athletes in from all over the world and um they we it's easy to do because we know who they are and um what they're capable of because we've been watching them like i said so that the athlete from ecuador by the way his name is Victor Castro, if you want to check him out. But So we have the weight classes, we have the adapted divisions, and they're competing for a title belt to defend. And we started that with $40. I bought a roll of caution tape and some construction lamps. I had a couple of partners early on. It went through many evolutions of that, as any entrepreneur may realize. But um, we turned all the lights off in a gym made it look like a fight club. We had 120 people show up for that first event and pay five bucks. And I went, holy shit, we have something that people want to see. So let's do something with it. So then what we did is every show we did, we took the money that we earned and we rolled it into the next show to make it bigger. And then we became sponsorable. So we were able to make the show even bigger. Anyway, we got to the point where we were broadcasting to 250,000 people live on Facebook. We had some of the most well-known – let me rephrase that. We have some of the most well-known athletes in the sport competing on our stage for the title, and it's a big deal. Now, we made a mistake. In 2016, we were invited to do a show on the beach in Clearwater, Florida. Up to this point, we had always stayed in our backyard 
uh, right there in Phoenix. Um, and so we were promised some things by this nonprofit and by the city of Clearwater that if we went out there, it would be worth it and it would be a massive event and it would be worth our investment. So we believed and put hope in that. We wanted to spread the brand of the East Coast and we borrowed money to put that show on, which we had never done up to that point. We always made sure we covered our costs. And uh, we had an option, actually. We had an option to go to Missouri and do a show with Andy Frisilla and First Form and or go to this event in Clearwater, Florida. And man, talk about a life-changing decision. <laughs> Not necessarily for the better at the time. Uh, if we would have went to Andy's place, I think it would have been game over. Uh, we would have just we would have just exploded. Andy's an incredible dude, an amazing promoter, and his brand First Form is really second to none in the supplement industry. So perfect venue for what we created. Um, but we, you know, I think back and I just don't even know how the decision to not go with Andy even came up and that we actually did it. But we must have been sold pretty hard. So anyway. We went to Florida, and um, we didn't have anybody show up, and so we couldn't pay that bill. We struggled for the next year to put on four more shows, and ironically, those were the four most popular shows we ever done. We uh, were broadcasting to, I think I said it, 250,000 viewers live on Facebook, thanks to Christmas Abbott and Derek Wyda. They have a tremendous amount of following. They loved the show and supported it, and they lended their influence to help us get exposure and the the support and the love of what we were did we were creating was overwhelming. People absolutely loved it. But uh, I had a singular focus. So, mind you, I'm I'm sort of the the, the uh, <laughs> I say this very lightly. Uh, for who, for looking back, but I was the brains of the operation, and my team um, really supported almost anything I could see or envision. But they all had a say, and anyway, but one thing that was certainly my responsibility was I had this linear focus that the way we were going to be profitable was through pay-per-view, because everything I had done to create Rush Club. I was looking at what UFC did when Dana White and the Fertitta brothers took over. And I was just pretty much copy and pasting that to our sport. And you'll see a lot of similarities in that if, if, you, if, you, if that's something you follow. But because I became so focused on following what they did to a T, I never figured out how to make it unique for ourselves, right? You know, I listened to an interview with Lorenzo Fertito, and he said all we did was copy WWE but we put our own flair to it. And so obviously UFC does things way different than WWE, but they actually copied each other. But they made it work for their sport, and they ended up getting a TV show that really helped them. So um, we, I was focused that the way we were going to be profitable was pay-per-view, so I kept trying to push for more viewers, more viewers, more viewers, thinking that at some point we would get a big enough sponsor that would help put on a much more complete production our production was amazing by the way if you go to our if you go to rush club nation on youtube or on vimeo and watch our videos our production value for our live events 
was awesome for what we had for the budget we had, which was next to nothing. But it's not it wasn't at a quality that we would warrant or justify anybody paying. With that said, even now, uh, the only two sports that are pay-per-view really is UFC and boxing, and uh, we're not that. And so the other thing is content nowadays is pretty much free, right? So we were trying to sell content in an environment that people get it through their streaming service. So those mistakes were had, and we ended up not being able to continue uh and we were able to not be able we were not able to con- uh, pay that bill um also another mistake that i made is my lack of confidence or my lack nah, not confidence but my lack of understanding how to build a business also came into effect because um it was such a big project that i ended up having a lot of people on my team holding equity um that had some skills Um, And they were great, but maybe not all the skills to take our show to the size that we needed to. So the issue wasn't the people that were there because they are the most incredible people in the world. They chased this dream with me for five years. Um, And so if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be where we're at. But obviously to be the size of a production like you know ufc or crossfit games or wwe it takes real specialists to do those things and uh, the issue was so much equity had been dealt out that by the time it was time to seek investors we would run into a lot of people that had the money that would look at our organization and say man you have all the numbers in terms of viewership eyeballs and so forth but there are too many people playing and there's nowhere for us to come in. So we were just, our cap table was just uh, overwhelmed um, with people. So anyway, what ended up happening is the money we borrowed for Florida, we got sued. And the lawsuit, I didn't know this. So anybody listening that's a new entrepreneur, an LLC, if you sign a personal guarantee, is considered a liquidatable asset. So when I got sued for Rush Club, my gym that I had separate, um, different business, different brand, well, similar brand, but different LLC, no commingling of funds, was liquid. I was told that it would be liquidated and... So I ended up filing a Chapter 7 bankruptcy, and I lost everything. Um, my gym went away. My community went away. My tribe went, am- went away. This show that I believed wholeheartedly in, it, what it was capable of, um, went away. And I was kind of lost. Um, I was given a job temporarily or I was brought on to um, work with a weight loss company as a self-development coach which I really am grateful for because had I not been given that opportunity to dive into that world more this conversation wouldn't be happening and I don't know where I would be but learning to show up for people and serve them to lose weight and transform their life also transformed my life I grew because of the people I served because it was my job to show up 100% on my game for them to help them achieve their goals. And that guy that I had to be is the guy that is needed to be the 
<laughs> to be the guy that's going to build Rush Club to what it's going to be. I'm being totally raw and vulnerable with you guys, um, which is my style anyway, because if I'm going to suffer and grow and become stronger, I want to share it so others can maybe learn. So I am working for this company, becoming more motivated, and here's this show in the back of my head that all the numbers of what the not just numbers but the all the emotions all the experiences said that it was something that the world wanted and yet it failed and so here I am uh, trying to figure out for the last year and a half who I am and if I'm capable of doing Rush Club. And then I met, I've been asking questions. Anybody I would talk to, I would always find a way to sneak the conversation in. It never left me. On the surface, it looked like it was over, but inside, there was not a day that went by that I didn't think about Rush Club and what it could have been. And if it was even still possible. Not one day. So I would find reasons to bring it up to people that I thought maybe could tell me, basically I would find a way to work it into the conversation, just like anybody you know that does psychedelics, <clears throat> myself, uh, <laughs> when we talk about the value and the impact, we find a way to bring it up. I would do that, or, you know, it's the joke, uh, uh, just those those jokes about being vegan and being a CrossFitter, you talk about it, they always talk about it, so... I did that with Rush Club, and I was looking for somebody to tell me that they didn't like it. I was looking for somebody to tell me that it wasn't a good idea. I was looking really just for, and not that anybody would ever say that to me directly, but I was looking for them to respond in such a way when they saw the content that we captured and the show that we built to not be inspired on some level, to not be impressed. And what I found was that not one single person, regardless of age, demographic, uh, training style, when they saw, when they got to know who I was, and then they saw what I was sharing with them, they always responded with the same sort of shock and awe of what they were watching, especially when they watched adaptive athletes compete for legitimate titles. So. I had a conversation with Kyle Berquist and Will Hinkson. Um, they support companies to grow. Um, they can see their value in them. Um, really kind of help find a path to success. And so they were the first real professionals I talked to. And I, when I got on the phone with Will, um, I told Will, I said, listen, man, I've been sitting on this thing for over a year now that I used to do and I'm going to give you the permission to tell me whether or not to go for it. If you say, AJ, let sleeping dogs lie, then I'm done. I won't even, I'm just, I just won't bring it up anymore. I'm going to give you that power. I did that because Will is a consummate professional. Will is former Marine Force recon. I understand on a certain level because of my military service what it takes to be him. 
So I have a tremendous amount of respect for that sort of focus and drive. And knowing that he left that world to then get into the consulting world, I knew that I could trust his his counsel to be um, non-biased, not emotional, just what's so. And he says, okay, thanks. I, I appreciate you giving me that level of, of listening. And uh, so then I said, and he goes, what do you got? And I said, uh, I created Rush Club, and I need to know if it's worth pursuing. And he goes, you created Rush Club. <laughs> and in my head, instantly, I'm like, of course. Of course he knows what it is. Like, this is what it's supposed to be. Like, part of me was like, how many? T- how lo- How much louder do we have? How much louder does the universe have to scream at you, dumbass, that it's time to get back up and do it again? Like, that was in there. It was super quiet because I'm, you know, I'm growing. But when he said, you created Rush Club and gave this look like, wow. He goes, I've seen Rush Club. I used to own a, a franchise of a chain of CrossFit gyms. We were CrossFit and we left. And he's like, I loved it. Thought it was phenomenal. The concept was great and the format was great. I mean, he just kind of went off and I'm just sitting here like, yeah, okay. I gave this guy the chance to tell me no. And he's saying, are you kidding me? And uh, he said, AJ, you've got enough value and content because we have all the content still on hard drive. And he says, you have enough value and content to be profitable this year before putting on a single show. You just have to put it in the right order. And I was like, son of a bee, game on. Let me back up just real quick. I want to throw something in here because I'll be remiss if I don't. There are two major players in this the entire time. There is me, and there's my wife, Jessica. And if I think if you're an entrepreneur or all entrepreneurs, if you're not connected to the fact that you're out for this dream, but you're dragging somebody else along with you, and I'm not saying that that it's a bad thing, but a, a, it's, a, it's a new awareness for me in the last year that's been developing. If you're an entrepreneur's spouse, or if you're an entrepreneur, you should hear this. They, if, if they give you any sort of space to do what you want to do, imagine how fucking brave they have to be. It is not their idea. It is not their creation. They do not have the same emotions attached to it. They don't need the same emotions attached to it. They're a different person. My mistake was I figured it's it's the old thinking that we're we're in it together but I'm the man so hang on. Yep. That was part of the thinking. And if I'm even more honest, there wasn't any thinking. It was all selfish. What do I need to create? What do I need to do to make this happen? And she was just back there hanging on for dear life and I didn't recognize it or acknowledge it. So, uh I'm going to say this real quick and I'll jump back forward. The reason Rush Club didn't work out for me the time it did is because I would have lost my family if it did. If we would have went to St. Louis, Missouri and done a show with Andy Priscilla and First Form, I wouldn't be married today and I wouldn't be the father of my three daughters. And so therefore, it was the best decision I ever made in my life to go to Clearwater. Now it's time to get over this fear bullshit and put the damn show on. So let me jump back forward. 
Um, so, Will tells me what he tells me. I say, awesome. And I have this conversation with my wife. Um, I've kind of been having this conversation over a few months. was one of these conversations. We actually bought this intimacy deck, um, Best Self. They make these cards and planners, but... Uh, we, there's this deck of cards that's called the Intimacy Deck, and what you can do is basically draw a card, and it has a question in different categories. The categories are like past, random, life, relationship, intimacy, like sexual stuff, and then about you. So she pulled a card. We were on our way out to my family's ranch to spend some the weekend together. She pulled a card, and it said, what conversation are you avoiding having that you know you need to or you would like to have? And immediately, of course, because it's never left my mind, that was there. And I was like, oh, shit, we're doing this now? <laughs> and my wife was like, are you sure you want to have this conversation? Because she had something that she needed to talk to me about. That's, I'll let her share that maybe on a different podcast. Uh, so anyway, I um, tell her I want to do Rust Club again. And I know that scares you, but I need to have you be on board. I can't do it without you. This was before I had the call with Will. Very reluctantly, but very supportively, she said okay. So one of the things I've learned is that um, she has to be all in, comfortably all in. Not just like, a, okay, fine, but like, a okay, let's do it. Um, and then... She's been supporting me a million percent this time around. So have this conversation with Will. Then I go to a mastermind with George Bryant. There's all these incredible people there, super successful entrepreneurs, mingling, getting together. Uh, again, Kyle Berquist got me connected with George Bryant. Kyle's my man. Kyle, if you're listening to this, brother, I love you. Kyle gets me to George Bryant's mastermind. I go out there, stay with George Bryant in his home, help him set up for the mastermind, and then I staff the mastermind with him. Um, because it's super high value. I couldn't afford to be there, so I went to work for him. He, he gave me the privilege to work for him while being in the room with everybody else. And again, I start sharing Rush Club. I now know it's coming back, but the I'm, I'm cold starting a diesel motor in Alaska. Let's just call it that way. I'm still hesitant. Like That's kind of what I wanted you guys to hear is that I'm a dreamer. I dream big. I play big. I'm scared shitless and doing it anyway. That's what's happening here. Like, I'm so afraid that I'm going to fail again, and I'm still doing it. And that is the hardest damn thing I have. This literally is the hardest decision I've ever had to make uh, in my entire life. Because the fear of failure is so strong, it wants to keep me from playing. And it wants to have me play, I'll just be straight up with you, even though it's come. so it's coming back. And and as I was preparing to, to have this conversation with you guys and kind of be vulnerable, I was thinking how even though I know it's coming back, that voice in my head that's trying to scare me that I'm going to fail, again, is having me not play even as big as I would knowing I'm not going to fail. So... In other words, being confident and proud. Like in the back of my head, there's still this thought like, how am I going to make this profitable so that I can afford to do it, so that people can enjoy it, 
so that athletes can be paid a professional living um, so that it has a place in the world. I don't know how I'm going to do that. So maybe you should just not be so excited about it until you figure it out. And I'm just like literally in the shower 40 minutes ago. I'm like, fuck it, dude. That's what's going to have it not work again. So it's go time. People always say, don't worry about the how. Just get started. I hear that over and over again. On Ed Milet's podcast, he always talks about it. Um, and everybody he interviews says the same thing. Andy Frasilla talks about the same thing. Like, if you're waiting for it to be perfect, it, you're just always going to be waiting. So, uh, again, I did this podcast so that I could learn and grow to step into being the man I know I need to be to make this happen. And so this podcast today, for those of you who happen to listen and make it through, I hope I had some value for you and you could hear that if, if you're kind of where I'm at, you're not alone. And thank you, because this was more for me. <laughs> if you got a ton of value out of it, awesome, good. But I needed to hear this from me too. I have a creed that I say every morning and every night, and it has a huge value in my life, and it's what brings me to this point. And it will always continue to serve me. I'll continue to grow from it. Um. And sometimes I hear me say stuff in my creed that I'm kind of like also questioning. Like being the, I am the distinction success. Well, the distinction success means being able to get kicked in the teeth and stand up and do it again. That's it. How fast do you move from one failure to the next? That's what the distinction success is. Now, there's some other nuances there. Like I wouldn't feel successful if I didn't have people around me that loved me and that I loved them and that I didn't have my health and you know there's things that definitely go in line with I'm I'm being responsible for but just because the bank account or the 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 show doesn't yet reflect it that doesn't mean I'm not acting as the distinction success so I just got to keep going so November 21st, still don't have a location. I gave the Rush Club, we built a custom rig. Uh, and I gave it to uh, some wonderful people that helped me on pretty much every, almost every single Rush Club I ever held uh, do equipment. Richard and Tiffany Escarcega, they were members of my gym. And they were always there. I could count them all the time. Uh, and so I gave them the rig as a thank you when I thought I was done. Like, guys, we, 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 we done. We're, we're, geez, I can't even talk. We were done. We bankrupted. It's done. It's over. Done deal. Thought it was over. And it's not. So I gave them the rig, and then I was like, okay, well, I'm not done, so I need to get it back. And I called, and they, it was too big for their backyard, so they sold it. Um, and it was their right to do so. There was, I don't have any, there's nothing about that. So now I'm trying to find it. So if you're hearing this and you happen to live in Mesa and you see a giant red arch that looks like a pull-up rig or some monstrosity in somebody's backyard, please let me know because I would like to get that back. If I can get it back, I want to go back to the Deuce in Phoenix. If I can't, I'm looking for a venue in Las Vegas, Nevada um, because I've already got my main event uh, contenders picked out. They're confirmed and excited. And I even have their backup selected and picked out. And it's not time to let you guys know who that is yet, but I will let you know 
please put it on your calendars. November 21st, Veterans Day weekend. The first show of Rush Club is back. And, yeah. So thanks for spending some time with me and hearing what's been going on and what's what's coming up. It's um, it's pretty exciting, and like I've been telling you, it's been very scary. But uh, just because you're afraid doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. It just means be aware and be on your game. That's how I see it. That's how I'm seeing it. And... I'm getting more and more excited. What's been interesting is I've been able to, you know, in the last year and a half, CrossFit restructured, which kind of left a big opening of possibility in that sport, in that field. CrossFit sued me last time. Last time I was a brush club, they sued me. We got through it, but it put some brakes on a little bit. But that's just to, that's how hard it was to participate in that field without somebody getting there you know, getting concerned about what you were doing and what you were saying. And, and, um, so now because they've taken a big step back, um, it's interesting. I'm getting conversations with people that I used to have to track down or try to chase down that were too busy because the 800 pound gorilla was going so strong, but now it's not. And these are people I'm genuinely excited to work with. And you guys are going to hear names coming on to the team uh, that will um, you'll be excited about. If you're in the space, you'll know who they are. And you'll hopefully, as this goes forward, you'll be excited to hear from them in our sport, too. We just listen at the end of the day. I just want to contribute. That's what it was about. People see the show and they want to go get fit. I don't care if it's Orange Theory. I don't care if it's a CrossFit gym. I don't care if it's a Globo gym. I don't care if it's bodybuilding, powerlifting, strongman, or CrossFit. I want people to see what we have to show, the expression of fitness that the human body is capable of, and then go and chase their own full genetic potential so that they can live a healthy, happy life. That's what we're about. And I want to partner with anybody and everybody in that space that's out for the same thing. At some point, I'm going to be doing something with Spartan Race, mark my words, because Spartan Race is also out to rip 100 million people off the couch and get them moving, and we can contribute to that same mission based off of what we're doing. So I'm going to wrap up this show. Thanks for listening. I have a request. I am looking to get in contact, or would love for you, if you hear this and if you know any of these names... I would love for you to share this show with them. Uh, I don't know that they'll listen to it, or maybe just point them in the direction of Rush Club and let them see it. Um, but uh, if you're connected with the people at Spartan Race, I am, but it helps to hear it from other people as well. I would love to be connected with those guys and see what they would like to do together, maybe sooner than later. There was a point we were invited to travel the world with them, actually, and do a show at every one of their main events. Um, but I'm looking for a connection to Mr. Ed Milet. Ed Milet and his podcast has a major role in me getting the courage to do it again. Um, and I would love to connect with him. So if you happen to know Ed Milet, 
I'm ready to meet him. <laughs> uh, and also Mr. Andy Priscilla. I never got to connect with him personally last time around, but if you have a direct connection there and he's willing to give me five minutes on the phone, I'd love to meet him as well. Anyway, thanks again, everybody. Uh, please let me know your thoughts on this show. I'd love to engage with you, and um, I'd love to support you if you're on your journey as well to something you're trying to create, and if I could be of any service to help you through some stuff that I've certainly had plenty of love and support and help on, I would love to talk to you about that. Have a great one, everybody. Talk to you later.